This morning, America's first news starts right after this. How would you love a chance to save some money on car insurance? GEICO can help. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save. From Compass Media Networks, this is America's First News. This morning, with your host, Gordon Deal. Request granted. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Kashenka on this Tuesday, September 6th. Glad you could be with us, and here's what we have for you this hour. A federal judge says an independent special master must be appointed to review the record seized by the FBI from the home of former President Trump. World news, a manhunt in Canada, a new prime minister for the UK and Russia shuts down natural gas deliveries to Europe. With Labor Day in the rear view, the political focus is now on the midterms. Here, how Republicans are trying a reset for Senate campaigns. And just because some employers are able to fill job openings doesn't mean quality customer service will return immediately. These airlines either don't have enough people or they just don't have enough people who are fully trained. So even though their staffing might be back to where it was before the pandemic, they're still not able to run at full capacity because um, you know, their their staff are are relatively inexperienced, still need to be shadowing more experienced employees before they can do the job on their own. Lauren Weber at The Wall Street Journal on companies struggling to train new workers ASAP. A federal judge has ordered the appointment of a special master to review documents seized at the Florida home of former President Trump. We get more from this morning's Mike Gavin. The move temporarily blocks the Justice Department from using materials for a criminal investigation. Judge Aileen Cannon ruled that Mr. Trump's position as a former president meant the seizure of documents carried a stigma and a league of its own and that any future indictment would result in reputational harm. The search four weeks ago came after months of discussions between Trump representatives and the government did not convince authorities that all national security documents had been transferred to the National Archives. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. It's not clear if the Justice Department will appeal the decision. Judge Cannon, who also called for a temporary halt to the federal inquiry until a document review is completed, asked Trump's team and the government to submit potential candidates for the special master role by Friday. The largest manhunt in Canada enters its third day today with hundreds of law enforcement officers searching for the lone surviving suspect in a stabbing spree that killed 10 people on Sunday. Authorities say 30-year-old Miles Sanderson remains on the loose and possibly injured after they found his 31-year-old brother Damien dead in a grassy area of the James Smith Cree Nation in Saskatchewan yesterday. The brothers are suspected of murdering 10 people and wounding 18 more in a stabbing rampage in an indigenous community. It may be connected to drugs. Evan Bray is police chief of Regina, capital of Saskatchewan. With tragedy like this and uh, and you know unknown whereabouts, there's a lot of anxiety in our province right now, in our communities and throughout the country. CBC News says Mr. Sanderson has been wanted since May when he stopped meeting his parole officer after serving five years for assault and robbery. Police are also investigating whether Mr. Sanderson may have also killed his brother. 
The UK is getting its latest prime minister today. Liz Truss, the foreign secretary, will replace Boris Johnson to lead the ruling Conservative Party. The 47-year-old Ms. Truss defeated rival Rishi Sunak in a vote of Conservative Party members yesterday and inherits a Britain on course to enter a lengthy recession due to surging inflation. It's been a hard-fought campaign. I think we have shown the depth and breadth of talent in our Conservative Party. Ms. Truss, the long front-running candidate to replace Mr. Johnson, is under pressure to set out an immediate plan to protect millions of households and businesses from the soaring cost of energy and her plan to borrow billions of pounds to soften the blow and cut taxes has badly rattled financial markets. Mr. Johnson, meanwhile, was forced to announce his resignation, you'll recall, in July after months of scandals that saw support for his administration drain away. Ms. Truss will become the Conservatives' fourth prime minister in six years. The Labor Day event from Dell Technologies is here. End the summer strong by starting up a new season of productivity. Your business upgrade begins with up to 48% off top-rated laptops like Vostro, taking performance to the next level with 12th gen Intel Core processors. It's time to push your growing business even further. What's next for you? Upgrade today by calling 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday. Republicans are looking to hit the reset button on their Senate midterm election playbook. After weeks of poor polls and stories about Democratic momentum, Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill, has spotted the trend. Michael, what are you seeing? So essentially what we have here, Gordon, is a three-pronged strategy, so say. We're seeing the GO- Senate GOP shift their strategy in three different ways. First off, we're seeing them have more of a sense of optimism, per se. So if you remember last month, um, Senate, Major- Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell came out and he said, there's a chance that the House has a better chance of flipping than the Senate, and that's because of candidate quality concerns. So that sort of drew headlines because it was the minority leader recognizing that, well, the Senate may not flip. Uh, McConnell was out in Kentucky, and he held a fundraiser for Herschel Walker, who's running for Senate in Georgia. He held a fundraiser for Dr. Mehmet Oz, who's running for Senate in Pennsylvania, and Representative Ted Budd, who is running in North Carolina. And so he was asked, why did you hold a fundraiser for these candidates in particular? And he said, I thought they were in critical states and had a good chance of winning. And on Oz in particular, he said he has great confidence in Oz. And he says Oz has a great shot of winning. So we're seeing more optimism from McConnell. It was a large difference from his candidate quality concerns earlier last month. The second part of this is... GOP uh, Senate groups, they're moving around their money. They're they are repurposing the funds that they have raised, putting them in different races to try to run through for the last two months of the election. Senate Leadership Fund, which is controlled by, which is aligned with McConnell, they have canceled ad in some states, canceled ad in, ads in some states, added money to other states for advertisements, specifically focusing on those states in particular that, that a lot of people are looking at those important races, mm. Arizona, Ohio, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Same with the National Republican Senatorial Committee. They've also been moving around ads. And the third prong of this new reset strategy is we're seeing some candidates actually soften their stance on some really polarizing issues. Let's take Blake Masters in Arizona, who's running for Senate over there. He's edited his campaign website to take off some really strong stances regarding abortion and regarding election integrity, specifically with claims that the 2020 presidential election was fraudulent. Mm. So we're seeing these candidates sort of trying to moderate themselves in a little in, in a way. So with these three prongs all happening at the same time, it really does seem like Senate GOP is trying to reset. 
We're speaking with Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. Uh, as, as you point out, these, these kind of pivots are not uncommon, I guess, in a changeover from the primary season to the general election, right? But is, is there something different this time? Not uncommon, as you said. Something different, as I think, as, as overt as we're seeing it. You know, okay. McConnell drew headlines last month when he said the candidate quality concerns. And nothing much has changed in the race in the past three weeks. But now he's coming out and saying he has great confidence in Oz. And the one thing that may have changed in those three weeks is Dr. Oz has come under more controversies. There was the crudite controversy yeah. that really plagued social media and the cable news. And that may have taken that may have that, you know, that that caused that could that took up a lot of airtime. So. I think it's it's interesting and different this time around that, you know, McConnell is being very overt about his change in tone. But again, like you mentioned, moving around of money, moderating your, your stances a little bit and having more of this optimistic tone, very normal as you head into the final days of the election. The controversies surrounding Mehmet Oz and, say, Herschel Walker. Uh, is there enough time, I guess, for the messaging of these campaigns to move beyond that? Is that maybe part of what Mr. McConnell feels here? The time is on their side? plenty of time. I've spoken to a lot of Republican strategists about this, and the main theme that they say is we are more than two months out of, out from Election Day right now. There is so much time until the election. Two months in politics is an eternity. They have plenty of time to continue repurposing these funds and to continue putting them into different states for advertisements. Plenty of time to continue honing in on these messaging strategies and a lot more time to prop up candidates and have this optimistic tone. Wow. Also, uh, Florida Senator Rick Scott came out with comments on Thursday about Republican chances and candidates. What, what was he saying? Rick Scott basically came back at McConnell and sort of, in a way, criticized him and, and spoke against him for what McConnell said back last month about candidate quality. And remember, Rick Scott, he's the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which by by name is in charge of the campaign strategy for Republicans. And Rick Scott said this to Politico in an article, Senate, Senator McConnell and I clearly have a strategic disagreement here. We have great candidates, he added. He wants to do the same thing I want to do. I want to get a majority, and I think it's important that we're all cheerleaders for our candidates. So again, what we have here is an internal disagreement. We have the head, McConnell, who's the head of the Senate GOP's agenda, and, and the caucus's agenda, and then we we have Rick Scott, who's in charge of campaign strategy, and they're essentially butting heads here a little more than two months out from the election. Thanks, Michael. Michael Schnell, congressional reporter at The Hill. 19 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. California is facing its greatest risk of blackouts so far this summer as soaring temperatures stress the power grid and rapidly spreading wildfires killed two over the weekend. A historic heat wave combined with dry and windy conditions across much of California has set the stage for possible rolling blackouts and wildfires, which have sent thousands fleeing their homes in the northern part of the state. Elliot Mainzer is CEO of the California Independent System Operator, which manages electricity flow. We need two to three times as much conservation as we've been experiencing to keep the power on with these historically high temperatures in demand. Conservation by California residents and businesses has helped the state so far squeak by without blackouts. Number two. Flood watches are in effect in the southeast and much of the northeast amid torrential downpours. Among the hardest hit areas is northwest Georgia, where 12 inches of rain fell in some spots in recent days. The flooding knocked out water service to parts of Georgia's Chachuga County, where the school system called off classes for the next couple of days. Number three. A federal judge in Florida has ordered the appointment 
appointment of a special master to review documents seized from Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago property, a move that temporarily blocks the government from using the materials for a criminal investigation. Trump had asked the court to appoint the independent attorney to review materials federal agents seized on August 8th. The search came after months of discussion between Trump representatives and the government failed to satisfy authorities that all national security documents had been transferred to the National Archives. Ukraine's energy operator says a fire caused by Russian shelling has severed a power transmission line and effectively disconnected a nuclear power plant from Ukraine's electricity grid. Ukraine has for weeks accused Russia of deliberately shelling the plant. Europe's largest, Russia, has in turn blamed Ukrainian forces. Rafael Nadal's mission to win a 23rd major title has come to an end thanks to American Francis Tiafo. The 24-year-old from Maryland up ended Nadal in a four-hour four-set match yesterday at the U.S. Open. Nadal's exit leaves the men's draw suddenly up for grabs after defending champion Daniil Medvedev was eliminated Sunday night. Tiafo advances to the U.S. Open quarterfinals for the first time. He will face Andrei Rublev of Russia tomorrow. It's pretty fun to watch. Oh, that was a great match. Yeah, he's, he's great a match. Exciting guy to watch. Yep. Thank you, Jen. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org radio. Thanks for spending time with us. Nearly two in five American adults have major regrets. That is, they regret their college major. The regretters include a healthy population of liberal arts majors. In-depth analysis from Andrew Van Dam, data columnist at the Washington Post. Andrew, what are we learning about certain majors? Humanities majors tend to A, regret what they do, B, earn a little less than other folks, and uh, C, um, are on the decline. So uh, the real headline was the overlap in all three things we looked at. The highest paying majors, the fastest shrinking majors, the most regretted majors. It tends to be in the humanities and the social sciences. Also, don't forget the arts. Right. Well, where do you sign up? Sounds like so much fun. <laughs> wow. All right, so humanities, uh, philosophy, English, in there, I don't know, history, history in there? Yeah. Languages. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. All so, of that kind of thing. You know, I was curious, though, It uh, is there some sort of breakdown among income? If I don't know, if you come from a better off background, are you least likely or more likely to have regrets or no difference? No, no difference? Unfortunately, they didn't look at family income because it's a very difficult thing to measure, but they can say if you're earning more, you tend to have fewer regrets, which kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. And so I guess the potential could be, too, if college wasn't as expensive, maybe we'd have less regrets uh, you know, with all those, all those loans. I don't know. Perhaps, though we didn't find that strong of a correlation, basically none between your, the amount of college loans you had and your regrets. But what we did find is that folks were much more likely to regret their major if they went to a private for-profit university. And that may have to do with the um, price and loan situation there. Got it. Um, so you mentioned that humanities and arts majors are essentially a dying breed. How come? What's behind that? 
Well, it seems like the real inflection point was coming out of the Great Recession around uh, the time of Obama's uh, State of the Union in which he called uh, our lack of science majors and our lack of STEM majors a Sputnik moment and uh, pushed for STEM in American campuses. And that sort of marked the rise of uh, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and med medical majors and the ultimate decline of humanities, arts, and that kind of thing. Hmm. We're speaking with Andrew Van Dam, data columnist at The Washington Post. He's looked at the most regretted and lowest paying college majors. Uh, engineers, not very many regrets? <laughs> A very few regrets for engineers. It's the least regretted major, and that's probably because, of course, it is among the absolute highest paying. Let's see here. It is like... Uh, if you are a chemical engineering major, I believe you can plan on earning something like $5 million over your lifetime. Compare that to an expected lifetime earnings for, say, a theology major of like $2 million, or a history or journalism major of about 3.6. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, you can see why engineering majors are a little bit happier about their choice. Right. You broke it down, too, into uh, those who wish they'd chosen a different school uh, as a share of all who majored in each subject. So you look at these subjects, uh, where, where were those folks who, I guess, wish they'd chosen a different school? Right. So we see some of the same things as the other charts in arts and humanities. But the interesting part is we have a lot more school regrets among uh, high powered and high paying professions like law and computer science. And so those people didn't regret their major, but you know, they're getting halfway through their career. They're seeing other people get promoted to upper management or the C-suite who maybe had that Ivy League background or something, and they're starting to regret their school choice, but not their choice of major. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Van Dam, data columnist at The Washington Post. 30 minutes after the hour on this morning, America's first news. Question, how into coffee are you? Do you just drink what's in the coffee maker, or do you search high and low for the perfect cup? Either way, trade coffee will make sure you start every morning with something special. I'm pretty new to all this. So I took the quiz at drinktrade.com slash Gordon, and they found a dark roast I love. It's Orin's from New York City. It's my new go-to when I head out the door at 3 a.m. Trade is the easiest way to get your very best-tasting coffee delivered fresh when you need it. And there's no risk. Trade guarantees you'll love your first bag. If not, they'll work with you to replace it for free. So if you want to support small businesses and brew the best cup of coffee you've ever made at home, it's time to try Trade Coffee. Right now, Trade is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com slash Gordon. That's drinktrade.com slash Gordon for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees in the country. This is America's First News, preparing you for the day ahead with headlines and in-depth analysis. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday, September 6. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. A Florida judge grants Trump's request for an independent review of documents seized from his home. Manhunt in Canada for a suspect in a stabbing spree. Russia cuts off natural gas pipeline deliveries to Europe. Liz Truss is the new British prime minister. Brutal heat continues in California with Death Valley 
possibly reaching 125 degrees today. American Francis Tiafo defeats Rafa Nadal to reach the U.S. Open quarters. Apple's iPhone 14 lineup to be unveiled tomorrow. And where shepherds are once again in demand. That story in about 20 minutes. Time now for a business update, and it's brought to you by Indeed. Do you need to hire fast and hire right? You need Indeed. Their all-in-one hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates efficiently. Visit Indeed.com credit. On paper, many companies' workforces are close to pre-pandemic strength or have even surpassed their early 2020 headcount. In practice, companies are thrusting many workers into roles they are not entirely ready for from making burritos to travel and healthcare. More from Lauren Weber, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Lauren, explain. You know, much of the coverage of what's been happening in the labor market for the last year or year and a half has been about shortages. Companies can't hire enough people. But hiring has been strong, and jobs report uh, showed another strong month. Uh, it's slowed down from, from recently, but still historically high numbers of job growth. And... Uh, so companies are clearly adding lots of people. What has been written about far less is what happens when you get these uh, large numbers of new employees coming into an organization who uh, may be new to the to the role, maybe don't have the skills they need, and need a fair amount of training in order to get up to full productivity. And what we found is that a lot of companies are struggling to get people ready for work and um, you know efficient and fully trained. And part of what consumers are experiencing from that is, in some cases, poor customer service, um, things like lost baggage at the at, at airports, and um, other kinds of difficulties that people are many people are familiar with. Yeah. Well, you said uh, in your story, hiring exceeds training capacity at some time. Uh, sometimes, um, and you referenced the airlines in particular. I guess uh, what's happened there, notably. Well, that was sort of a perfect example of what we're looking at because the airlines, you know, were among the hardest hit industries back in the spring of last uh, of two years ago when COVID first came along. Uh, many of them furloughed tons of employees, laid off a lot of people, encouraged early retirements. And what they didn't really anticipate was that demand was going to come back and was going to come back uh, strongly because so many people had put off their vacations or put off trips. So now we're in a situation two years down the road where um, these airlines either don't have enough people or they just don't have enough people who are fully trained. So even though their staffing might be back to where it was before the pandemic, they're still not able to run at full capacity because, um, you know, they're their staff are are relatively inexperienced, still need to be shadowing more experienced employees before they can do the job on their own. And it's a heavily regulated industry. So for some roles within airlines, for example, pilots, there are minimum training requirements. And so lots of airlines had very tenured pilots retire during this period. Now they've got all these younger pilots who are still getting certified and, you know, they have to fly a certain number of hours before they can get behind, get inside the cockpit on their own um, and fly a plane. And that's taking a lot longer to get to get all those people up to speed and through those requirements. Mm. We're speaking with Lauren Weber, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Her story is called Service is Slow, Luggage is AWOL. Companies struggle with an influx of new hires. In these cases, sometimes hiring 
exceeds training capacity. Is that why uh, these two United Airlines jets kind of clipped parts at, at one point on the runway? Yeah, I mean, there was an incident in June where two uh, two jets did uh, you know, run into each other, and and it was because there were inexperienced ramp workers who were uh, on the ground there um, running that operation. And you know, I believe nobody was hurt, but it's an example of how you know if you put people on their you know into their jobs too quickly without proper training, um, you're going to end up with incidents like that. Sometimes safety will be involved. But, you know, it's certainly, if nothing else, it's going to slow operations down when you have incidents like that. Now, United told us that um, since that incident, they've they've changed the way they schedule people so that newer employees have access to more veteran employees that they're working with at the time. There's more mentoring for new people. But, you know, it shows that, you know, the stakes can be very high when you're uh, trying to rush workers into their jobs uh, before they're completely ready. Thanks, Lauren. Lauren Weber, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies Advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Tuesday. It's time now for the mic drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, after a long holiday weekend, it's good to catch up on the viral videos you might have missed on such topics as corn and beer. Let's start with the beer, where one U.S. Open tennis fan who went viral last year made her return to New York to chug beer for the masses. Megan Lucky became briefly famous during last year's Open when she chugged not one, but two full beers, including her boyfriend's, during one match. One year later, Megan returned over the week and she was ready when cameras panned to her section, grabbing a beer and immediately downing it in just over seven seconds. She later critiqued her performance on her Instagram page, saying she knew it was coming, but she thought she was slower to finish the beer this year, even though her time both years was hmm. nearly identical. So she knew it was coming. That's right. interesting. I guess they, they spotted her and yeah, said, hey, aren't you the beer-chugging yeah, girl from this, last year? This, this seemed a little more uh, kind of pre-planned. Yeah. You know, they, they had it all ready to go up on social media and everything. Right. You know, they, okay. I mean, she, you know, they might have even invited her there for this whole uh, for this thing i think she she had to be a little cautious just yeah. because she was wearing that dress right yeah you know I, yeah, she was also well dressed this time uh, around right. too which also made right. me think it was very uh, very pre-planned and it was i would say it was like a, it was like an off-white i mean yeah, you can't yeah. be spilling beer on that well that's you know, the amazing sitting part. there for the rest of yeah. the match she spilled almost nothing in, yeah. in both clips last year and this year right. she spilled almost nothing always impresses me because that was never something i was good at you know back in the college days when that was something everybody was doing okay mike in, you're in college right you're half yeah. in the bag anyway right you're you're wearing a a wrinkled t-shirt that's already a mess. Right. It doesn't matter that you're spilling beer on yourself. Uh, Megan yeah. here, however, yes. is at a professional sporting event <laughs> with her boyfriend on TV, right. you know, and looks all cleaned up. She's not going to spill the beer. So uh, she gets she gets a pass for taking, you know, an extra half a second to finish the beer. No, no, I, I agree. And forget about it. Again, seven seconds, that's that's better than any time I, I ever had. So, you know, she can take as much time as she needs to. She's still going to do better than I did is yeah, what I'm trying enough. to say. That's fair. And uh, while corn on the cob season's coming to an end, when corn-loving kid is having a viral moment, thanks to an interview and subsequent TikTok videos. It all started when the boy named Tariq was interviewed by the YouTube channel Recess Therapy about his love of corn while eating an ear of corn. Can you describe corn to someone who's never tasted it before? A big lump with knobs. It has the juice. It's the part that mostly makes me like the cone. <laughs> That's, that's amazing. That 85-second <laughs> clip from early August has nearly 3 million views, but that was just the start of Tariq's viral ascendance. Since then, enterprising TikTok users have remixed the interview into wildly popular clips on that platform, like this one, which has been watched over 66 million times. What do you like about corn? 
And since then, Gordon, Tariq the Corn Kid has started to make appearances on Cameo, starred in a Chipotle ad, and he even got a tribute from actor and musician Kevin Bacon, who recorded his own acoustic version of the corn song. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's funny. And he has, like, no f- top front teeth. I don't know how he eats corn, right? He's got, like, one little right. snaggle tooth there to try to get him by. I, yeah, I know. It takes him a uh, long time. He gets to savor the corn is what yeah. he gets to do, like, one kernel at a time, basically. What do you say? It's a, a, a big, big chunk uh, uh, big chunk of yellow. Yeah, something with knobs. With knobs. Yeah. yeah. And the juice. Big chunk with got, knobs. And it's got, got the, the juice. Yeah. It's got the juice. <laughs> and he loves it with butter, too. That's uh, great. Thank you, Mike. And now a word from our sponsor, Keeper Security. Keeper is the top-rated cybersecurity platform for protecting organizations of all sizes from the most common password-related data breaches and cyber attacks. Did you know 81% of data breaches are caused by weak password security? Keeper is more than a password manager. It's a scalable and customizable security platform that includes industry-leading features such as automated user provisioning, role-based enforcement policies, SSO-SAML integration, advanced reporting compliance, breach watch dark web monitoring, and more. Visit GetKeeper.com today to start a free 14-day trial. That's GetKeeper.com. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Thanks for being with us. Want to increase your vigor while decreasing fatigue as you return to the office today? A new study says micro breaks of 10 minutes or less can help, whether it's eating a snack going for a walk, or even scrolling through social media. Researchers in Romania examined 22 studies from the past 30 years and determined short breaks improved worker well-being, which they defined as having energy to complete tasks without being exhausted by the end of the workday. Lee, the author, says she wanted to prove that short breaks are valuable for both workers and their organizations, since it's sometimes frowned upon or has a bad reputation. Micro breaks appear to only positively affect workers doing certain kinds of tasks, though. The report says study participants who were engaged in routine or creative work benefited from taking short breaks. But those doing work that requires a high level and quantity of brain power did not show significant performance improvement with micro breaks. The research, by the way, did not examine how often we should pause for these micro breaks. It's eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Canadian police say one of the suspects in the weekend stabbing spree that killed 10 people in the province of Saskatchewan has been found dead as police intensify their search for his 30-year-old brother. The stabbing attacks, which also left 18 people injured, started early Sunday morning in an indigenous community about 300 miles north of Montana and occurred at 13 different locations. Police Chief Evan Bray. With tragedy like this, and, uh, and you know, unknown whereabouts. There's a lot of anxiety in our province right now, in our communities and throughout the country. One of the suspects, 31-year-old Damian Sanderson, was found dead in a heavily grassed area of the James Smith Cree Nation. Police do not believe his death was a result of self-inflicted wounds. 
Number two. A new and worrisome school year begins today in Evaldi. There is new high fencing around the Texas community's public school campuses that still isn't finished. A heavy police patrol that many families don't trust and no classes ever again at Robb Elementary School. Although school already started weeks ago in many parts of Texas, officials push back the first day of class in Uvalde after a summer of heartache, anger, and revelations of widespread failures by law enforcement who allowed an 18-year-old gunman to fire inside classrooms for more than 70 minutes. Number three. UK Foreign Secretary Liz Truss has won the race to lead the ruling Conservative Party and become Britain's next Prime Minister, taking the helm of a nation heading into an economic storm. My friends, I know that we will deliver, we will deliver, we will deliver. The 47-year-old replaces Boris Johnson as Prime Minister. In the leadership race, Truss touted herself as a low-tax libertarian who will shrink the British state and revitalize the economy. Well, if you headed out to a movie theater on Saturday, dubbed National Cinema Day, you likely had lots of company. Many theaters cut their ticket prices to $3 to draw in moviegoers, and more than 8 million people showed up, the biggest crowd of the year. The top grocer of the day, Top Gun Maverick, followed by Spider man no way home the big surprise was an oldie but a goodie jaws the movie made 2.6 million dollars over the three-day holiday weekend wow i know this is going to shock you but i did watch top gun maverick on demand yesterday did you yeah and did you love it as thoroughly much as enjoyed else? it okay thoroughly enjoyed it all right good yeah. for you thank you jen the labor day event from dell technologies is here end the summer strong by starting up a new season of productivity your business upgrade begins with up to 48% off top-rated laptops like Vostro, taking performance to the next level with 12th Gen Intel Core processors. It's time to push your growing business even further. What's next for you? Upgrade today by calling 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for being with us. Jobs clearing local plants under and around stretches of solar panels have triggered an unexpected boom for sheep herders across America. The Wall Street Journal says sheep, the surprise workhorse of renewable energy, are generating several million dollars in annual revenue, tidying up solar farms nationwide. 45-year-old Eli Valdez makes sure prairie grasses don't block sunshine from the panels in Deport, Texas, near the Oklahoma border. He expects the flocks he oversees to soon generate several hundred thousand dollars in annual revenue. That's helped him pay off his house in San Antonio. Power mowers, which can't maneuver easily enough under panels to avoid the risk of damaging equipment, are of limited use. Cows and horses are too big to fit under the panels. Goats eat any weed, but also chew on wiring and climb on equipment. Sheep, docile, ravenous, and just the right height. Get the job. As the journal says, centuries after breakout roles in the Bible, shepherds are back in demand. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Kashenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News. How would you love a chance to save some money on car insurance? GEICO can help. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com to get a rate quote and get started seeing how much you could save.